If you were born with the weakness to fall, you were born with the strength to rise. That's it. Hey everyone, welcome back to Soul Scene, the podcast where we imagine a beautiful, sustainable, tactile future, and where Aaron often graces us with elaborate, flowery poems, but today you chose for a an idiom? Well, chose is the operative word because I didn't write this poem mm-hmm. compared to the usual episodes. This one was composed, sculpted, you might say, from one of the people I wanted to feature today because today's episode, at least in part, is about people who are able to monetize their internet fame slash memeiness. And it's everyone's favorite Instagram poet. I think you had one of her books, Milk and Honey? No, I do not have Milk and Honey. Oh. Because I don't really like her poetry. Rupi, Rupi Kaur, I think is how you pronounce the name. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so she wrote that. She published it to IG in uh, September 2019 okay. to, to wide acclaim, just like most of her, her works. Mm. So I thought... So yeah. I thought that's a good person to start with. I yeah. don't even think of people who are internet famous in that way, but okay. I think we'll have a good discussion. So sure. we're going to talk about people who are able to monetize their internet fame. We're also going to talk about how we identify with brands and how the internet perhaps fosters that. And then at the end of the episode, we're going to get into a bit of a deep dive into how the internet has changed photography and other traditional industries. And yeah, let's jump into it. But before we jump in, if you like Solo Scene, if you like the podcast, subscribe and leave a review on one of the many podcast specific apps like apple podcasts or spotify or google podcasts yeah it's super helpful and if you want to see us we're in broad daylight it is 9 25 a.m as time of recording but it looks like we're in shadow just because of rain clouds yeah <laughs> uh, we're on youtube as well so we've seen podcasts and if you like touching things you can touch our words by one of our zines through the link in the description and yeah, so the first question is about people monetizing their internet fame. I thought it'd be a bit more interesting. I'm guessing you focus on the meme people. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll take a wider look at fame itself. What has the internet done to fame? Has it kind of killed celebrity or has it only made it stronger? We touched on this a bit in our episode about influencers, but I was just kind of zooming out and I was like, you can kind of look at the world, I think, or history in three different epochs with regards celebrity so far and there's like the time pre-mass media so like if you want to talk about radio or newspaper or the printing press like that you know there's different definitions on when that would be Mm -hmm. but something like from the start of humanity to the 16 17 1800s i know people talk about einstein as the world's first like global celebrity but i don't know if you want to talk about like national celebrities before that so you know that's a bit of a gray area and then there's the time from that period until I think the internet and then there's a time which we're just starting which is internet onwards from like 2000s onwards and I think it's really interesting you can say a bunch of different things about this but chiefly the way it's kind of fragmented celebrity so that someone could have literally 100 million followers Mm. 100 people million people who recognize them laugh at them sing with them enjoy their content but then if you put them in front of like your parents as is often the case when I was watching like red carpet or award shows with my parents towards mm-hmm. my last few years living at home and there'd be the odd internet celebrity hosting or or there for a song or something and they would always just say they would just not recognize them right so yeah. it's kind of funny how someone could be really famous to some people but then an utter nobody 
to everybody else, which is, I think, what so far defines the internet era of fame. Yeah, I think it's developed a second tier of fame. Yeah. There's the people who can sometimes transcend from internet fame to wider acclaim by getting an in- a Netflix show right. or being featured in a movie or what have you. But even then, they're kind of like, they might be the most famous on the internet, then they enter the Hollywood sphere. Yeah. And they're just like a bottom, like, B-tier yeah. celebrity, basically. I think it's not good for the water cooler. Like, it's not good for community because everyone's going to, like, you're not going to be able to say, oh, did you see what such and such wore to the red carpet? Because mm-hmm. most people aren't watching the red carpet at shows anymore because they're watching Twitch or they're watching their own. Like, there's even just a thousand different award shows that people can can easily watch now without mm-hmm. broadcast. Um, but it is maybe good from a more decentralized point of view where you don't need to get that Hollywood stamp of approval anymore to make a living in certain, you know, like, say, the entertainment industry, which I guess is what dominates most internet fame, entertainment, because everyone goes on there to laugh and be entertained and to watch silly things. I also think fame has kind of become this attainable, almost social currency now. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, maybe it was just like, there's them and us. Now it feels like every high school has 11 people who, who are influencers or something, or mm-hmm. are making some side money or who want to be, who put a lot of time into it and want to monetize it in some way. And also there's the fact that maybe dominating this third epoch, as I said, and maybe a bit of the second, because people could talk, people could probably mention a lot of examples from the 1900s about people who are famous without talent. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think for for most of fame's history, if that makes sense, you probably had to be famous for something. And now it's like increasingly most celebrities are famous for nothing. Yeah, so. literally just for their ability to game the system to yeah. an extent. Famous and for being famous. Yeah. Like that's the skill in itself. Exactly. Like there's basically a bunch of guides on the internet of how to become an influencer and make money off of it. And it's not get really good at something and then people will trust you. It's be able to take the right angles of the yeah. photos and then people will trust you. Use hashtags well, etc. Yeah, exactly. I was inspired a little bit by the episode of Hot Ones featuring Gary Vee mm-hmm. that I watched a few years ago. You know, at the end of each episode, they have the guests do something, play some little game which is specific to their kind of niche or their talent. Mm-hmm. So for Gary, they made a kind of like a draft board like you would see for like an NHL or NFL draft with different social media stars slash celebrities and they were like you have 10 points you have to pick you know your team and Mm -hmm. the the top tier ones who are like the most famous they cost four points and the lower tier ones the least famous they cost one point and I remember him being like yeah you know there's the yodeling girl she's still got some potential like he was looking at (laughs) it like really like a like a talent agent would or like a like a sports team Scoutwood, which I thought was really interesting. So I kind of did similar. I grouped them into A tier, B tier, or C tier. Because I feel like you hear that with celebrities often. Not so much with the internet because it's kind of flattens things. But you still hear like, oh, they're A list. They're B list. Mm -hmm. And I thought we could just discuss. There's two examples of each. Discuss them. What would would their career path have looked like in the solo scene? Okay. So the A tier is for people who I think are talented. Or ostensibly talented meaning they achieved internet fame as a secondary thing for you know like they were offering something else Mm -hmm. usually artistic so the first one is the poet rupee rupee core she has 4.4 million ig followers as of now 
She's three published books which have sold over 11 million copies through her minimalist poems and illustrations. The first of which, Milk and Honey, she published at age 21. Mm-hmm. Makes you feel bad. As the an aspiring with, writer. The thing with her poetry is that I think at the time when it was published, perhaps it was fresh and new, like the minimalist poetic style. Okay. But now every... I think it was like 2013 or so. Yeah. So like it was fresh then. And so I see why she became popular. People liked the little snippets. And I think with the internet, people really like feeling like they can do it too. Yeah, that's a good point. So people will follow those who... Hashtag relatable. Who are relatable and not those who are like writing epic poems. Yeah. Because that feels unrelatable. Or or trying too hard or false or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's fine that she's famous. I... (laughs) But in the solo scene, I'm, I'm saying she wouldn't probably have been posting this to IG. Mm. Or would it have gained traction that same way? I could see it gaining traction okay. in the same way. I think, yeah, like she's a poet. And poetry is great in any sure. form. And we want more poets in the solo scene. So she gets a pass. Shout out to the website Hello Poetry. That's a really fun and like poetry-specific social media type website if people are interested um, also, if you were born with the weakness to fall, you were born with the strength to rise. Just want to shout that one out again. Just dwell on it. Second A-list, or A-tier, I guess, is Brockhampton. I don't know if you know about them. Not really, no. So they were, they've since disbanded, like a hip-hop slash pop group okay. formed through the internet. Mm-hmm. They were formed in 2010 through a Kanye West forum, okay. which I thought was really funny because they became like, not quote-unquote, just internet musicians, but quote-unquote, actual musicians. Mm-hmm. Like, they released, I think, eight albums. They toured. They did Coachella. They were, like, one of their albums, at least, was Billboard number one when it was released. Like, all that, like legit musicians with actual mm-hmm. features and stuff. And I think that's a great example of the internet. Also, like, a few of their early albums or music videos were um, crowdfunded through Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think that's what the internet should be for when people talk about the internet and the arts. Yeah. I think that's really a good example. That sounds great. It also, this is making me think a bit about how in Hollywood, a lot of the A-list celebrities are old. Like, yeah. they're all people who have who were kind of there before the internet or exactly. were there really early internet. I would argue they almost all are. But then the few who have kind of broken through, like Timothy Chalamet or Zendaya, like all of those trendy ones that are probably on the A-list mm-hmm. now, I feel like they gained popularity they were in a few movies and they did well, but then they there was like an internet cult that formed around them, which then kind of propelled them up. Yes. So I think they kind of would have been perhaps traditional B-tier celebrities or something, but think? then they were pushed up. Um, I don't know if... Maybe not. I don't know if it would be that different from like Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, I guess it would just be a different way because like Leonardo was probably... Magazines. The magazines. Yeah, exactly. But I just think it's interesting how the internet was able to do that pretty quickly. It felt like overnight. That well, Zendaya's case especially is, is fascinating because I'm always interested in, I don't have any of these on the list, but the child stars yeah. who aren't that talented, mm-hmm. um, but they just have what I would consider a disproportionate amount of fame through their Instagram followers because they have fans who were kids when they were on either Casey Undercover or the Wizards of Waverly Place mm-hmm. and the fans grow up with them. But yeah. it's like, they're not that talented. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. Selena Gomez has too many Instagram followers for what <laughs> she has actually done 
as an actor or musician. Yeah. But it's because there's that sentimental attachment to it. Yeah, I'm always shocked when I see people who were on like a random Disney show and they yeah. have millions of followers. I'm mm-hmm. like, I didn't know their name when I was a kid because you just like watch the show. But now that's the thing. Now the kids do know their name. Yeah, and it's like they've monetized their childhood fame in a way that I feel like that wasn't always the case. Yeah. You'd have to really like keep grinding to like then make it in the well, industry. And if they were really grinding because it was still like Disney it's still through the machine. Yeah, yeah. But it's the that that is funny because it's like when you think about the shows that we would have watched as kids, something like Zach and Cody. Mm-hmm. It's like that came just probably ten years or five years too soon, to where like those kids, us watching as kids would have been allowed Instagram accounts for whatever reason. We would have followed mm-hmm. both those twins, and then you know like they would be maybe megastars or something like that mm-hmm. if they had came out like 10 years later or something. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if that's really the case. But if you think about like Henry Danger, is he big? I don't know. I feel like they would be is what I'm saying. I feel like they would have yeah. a weird amount of Instagram followers. It's true. Anyway, on to the B tier, Emma Chamberlain. These are the people who I think are famous. They're not quite... It's not the case that they are famous for nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm generously terming it entertainment. Yeah. Which is a big catch-all. I think most people probably fit into this like us right now probably fit into this mm-hmm. even though we're not famous but you know what i mean yeah people who are like formulating ideas sure or expressing and it them. can be funny or serious or whatever emma chamberlain i feel like liza koshi is probably in this yeah. category those who are hosting red carpets so yeah so they kind of pivot it into exactly they're not walking the red carpets because they don't do anything yeah but they're hosting it she has a podcast. They do mm-hmm. their lifestyle YouTube thing. Um, she has a coffee company I went, yeah. which is apparently quite big. And uh, she has a nice house. That's the only video that I've ever really seen her in yeah. touring at home. She does have a nice house. Yeah. But I feel Credit like these celebrities, too. they were perhaps a bit earlier onto the internet. Yeah, the other one I had in this tier was PewDiePie. Yeah. So it's kind of like her, but with gaming. And he was at one point the number one person on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Since been surpassed by, I mean, the number one like individual on YouTube. Who's the number one individual now, do you think? I think Mr. Beast. Yeah, Mr. Beast surpassed him. Yeah. But they, I think he's kind of like the prototype. And maybe Emma is too. I don't know so much. But they pivoted into merch, sponsors. He has a mobile game. So like something relevant to what they were doing. I guess that's kind of like his equivalent of her coffee company. Mm-hmm. Uh, other media appearances, like late night shows and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they start kind of probably mingling with a-list celebrities like they're probably invited to parties and stuff and yeah i don't really have too much of an issue with these guys because they they make a proper career out of it and they like they don't just i feel like their goal wasn't just to be youtubers like their goal was to perhaps self-actualize in a way (laughs) and i mean with pewdiepie we just watched a video last night because we don't watch his videos but he moved to japan so we watched him reviewing japan and it felt like he got sucked into a life of YouTube. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't perhaps his goal. Almost 30 billion views I saw on his Wikipedia. That's how many his uh, his YouTube videos have. Yeah. But do you think these people would be in the solo scene? Because do you think there'll be that many people watch, sitting down to watch an Emma Chamberlain video? Will there or won't there? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. There's something about it that's obviously parasocial and ultimately a waste of time yeah. but also if people are genuinely entertained you know yeah like if they're authentically good characters and like <laughs> so subjective yeah no but like that's what it is it's not like they're trying to be themselves exactly it's like they're trying to paint a picture 
same as any actors on a sitcom. That's true. I don't see them completely going away. I just think our relationship to them will be different. We'll treat them like people on TV shows, not as like our friends. That's a good point. I think the sitcom thing is a really astute observation, like an analogy, because when people sit down to watch the friends of the Mm -hmm. friends, uh, Seinfeld, The Office, people who are longtime fans of these, um, they don't quite. It's not like they're watching it for the first time. I mean, I'm talking about the people who watch it for like seven, eight times. It's a comfort mm-hmm. show. Yeah. You're sitting there with Joey and Chandler and uh, Jerry and George. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's actually much the same way to when people watch YouTubers and that's like their friends. Yeah. But they're not really their friends, obviously. Yeah. So I think that will continue to an extent in the soul scene, but it won't be exploited for marketing purposes because all of these people, to an extent, have been exploited to sell products because... How our brains work is we trust people that we're familiar with. So if on Friends they're doing product placement and George is drinking, yeah, because George is on Friends. Um, if Monica is drinking like a Pepsi, then you're like, oh, Monica drinks Pepsi. I drink Pepsi too. Yeah. And like it's the same as product placement same with, shows. With NordVPN? Yeah, exactly. Okay. With BetterHelp. Um, <laughs> the C-List. And these are the people who I've just wrote gimmick slash meme. Mm-hmm. And the first one is, I think his name is... Kabi Lame, and he's the number one person on TikTok. He's the one who just like pulls a silly face when to react to people doing like crazy life hacks. Yeah, I don't know who that is. You've never seen those? No. It'll be like one of those silly life life hack videos that are actually more work than they are. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be like first you wrap the pizza, then you slice it, then you unroll it, and then you eat it. Mm-hmm. And he'll just be like looking very kind of like plainly at the camera mm-hmm. and like doing an actual version of the thing. Yeah. Like just eating a pizza. Slice. Okay. You've never seen that? I've probably seen a version well, of it because it's probably been parodied a lot. So anyway, yeah, he has like over 100 million followers on TikTok. Oh it's the biggest on the platform. He has a Hugo Boss partnership. Um, he's, a, <laughs> he's a judge on Italy's Got Talent. And then I was kind of, I was trying, but also I know how, how shockingly unreliable the internet is for matters of money or mm-hmm. net worth or ad revenue and that kind of thing. But I think the ballpark figure for one of his videos due to sponsorship is like 700,000 per TikTok. Goodness. Well, I don't think that will exist in the solo scene because he's not bringing anything. He's bringing a touch of comedy, but that's the kind of comedy you get from your friend. Yeah, exactly. It's like when you watch a movie with a friend and you're all pulling faces. Exactly. It is is like that. This is silly. Like, this will just be replaced with real life relationships. And second in the gimmick tier is Salt Bay. Salt Bay. Infamous Who, appearance at the World Cup. Yeah, finale. I I personally have a soft spot for it because I just think it's so kind of I don't know. I just think the goal of him to appear during the World Cup final, just running onto the pitch and like trying to take a picture with Messi and touching the trophy and everything. And I know there are a lot of football fans who were affronted at this, being like, "How could Salt Bay? You know, like <laughs> only the players and stuff are allowed to touch a trophy." I think it's hilarious. I think it's just really funny because he just has, I feel like he probably thinks he's an A-list celebrity. Yeah. Like he thinks him and Messi are like on the same level. Yeah, well, Messi for sure visited his his restaurant. So here's what I learned about Salt Bay. He has a Turkish name. I'm not going to try and pronounce, but um, he had restaurants before the fame. Mm-hmm. The fame, do you want to guess what year that was, by the way? 2015? 2017. Oh. I know. It feels recent. like it was earlier. Yeah. But the viral clips of him sprinkling the salts or whatever um he had fame and like he basically traveled the world also his wikipedia says anyway learning how to cook and like 
working at restaurants for free so he could learn techniques and like all this so he's like, kind of like a Ramsey origin story like he was a cook i don't know if he's trying to present himself as like i don't want to yeah. believe it because everything i read about his website or his uh, his restaurants is that they are terrible <laughs> is that they are awful like okay. worst burger in new york worst steak in new york just like only functions as dinner theater ridiculously overpriced mm -hmm. the meat is just awfully cooked <laughs> which okay. i also just find funny like because to all of these uh these internet celebrities there is an element of fraudulence yeah and i just feel like he, he embraces it to this degree that mm -hmm. I, I don't know i, I love it, it. Kind of funny um so yeah, was... he has restaurants all over the world but obviously since the, the viral clip he opened more mm -hmm. and got more famous friends slash guests yes visiting. that makes sense I always wonder with those cooking influencers, I'm like, I wonder if the food tastes good. Because it could just taste <laughs> it disgusting. Matter. And there's probably like 50% of the videos that are recommended to me are like, hack, make these like healthy peanut butter cups. And the ingredients are like chickpeas, burnt toast, pepper. But then it looks like a peanut butter cup. Mm. So I'm sure there's lots of people who go and make it. But it's like... Yeah, but I think a lot of those are gain traction for being ridiculous and there's a there's a self-awareness where they know it's ridiculous mm -hmm. and i feel like salt bay plays into that as well would you go to this restaurant if you could afford it probably not yeah. like with food i just i go for the the grandma who cooks yeah who would give you a steak for like you don't $2. think it'd be funny though like him leaning over the table and with that long knife shoving the piece of steak into your mouth oh there was also this thing that was like a big lawsuit because some people got burnt at his restaurant one of the one of the fire shows went wrong oh no yeah one of them was also closed down for i don't know yeah i feel like there should be a crossover like a kitchen nightmares Ooh. at one of his restaurants i mean <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna need royalties on that idea ramsey but... shouting and salt based yeah <laughs> sprinkling <laughs> i could see like doing big numbers yeah big numbers um i didn't have anything exciting about my updates they were all just the only interesting one for me was that bad luck brian became a pastor <laughs> Because it was like, where are they now? And it, a bunch of them just like are normal lives. Yeah. And the one of him was him holding up his um, ministry certification. I was like, good for him. Who else? Though? I had Scumbag Steve who made music videos and merch. Right. Scumbag Steve. Yeah. And then one of my favorite that I still sometimes will watch little clips of her videos is the girl who said I smell like beef. That was very early on the internet. I don't know that one. Um, and it's Frickin' Baths. That's also her. But she still has an Instagram and still makes funny videos, and I think it's good. I see on your page you have written Salt Bay, friend of the stars. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed you had more information. Which on I feel him like would be do. his the name for his biopic. Yeah, exactly. Salt Bay, friend of the stars. Speaking of these meme people, though, the meme of the week for this week, I challenged myself last week to pick a 2023 one. I think it's really interesting that all the people that we just mentioned, maybe with the exception of the TikToker KB Lame, are all quite old. And also all the people that you just mentioned, you know, they're all quite old or it was a good few years ago now. And it was hard for me to find a 2023 meme. Part of the problem is that I'm not on social media now, so I don't kind of see these things as they come and go. But And so I have to go to the aggregators slash lists, mm -hmm. the, the know your memes or the list of like biggest memes of 2023 which I think kind of by definition pick the lamest ones or the ones mm -hmm. that more people will know and therefore are kind of less funny. But I also think there's been a kind of fragmentation and just like the cultural changes that we see um, everywhere else can really accurately be, be observed also in, in memedom where 
things don't last as long as they used to. Yeah. I mean, with like Bad Luck Brian, people at the time were saying, wow, this is going to go so quick. A month mm -hmm. goes by. But now it's like, I don't think it would be a month. And I don't even think it would stay big enough for the time it would take for that person to fly to Los Angeles or whatever to appear on Ellen yeah. or the Kelly Clarkson show. Exactly. Like, because now it just goes so quick. And also um, with the speed, there's the fragmentation where everybody's part of a different subculture. So it's not just like internet memes versus traditional media. The internet memes themselves are split into like a thousand different niches. So, so like I know of memes that kind of grow in different sport spaces like football memes and stuff like this but they're not they don't mean anything to anybody outside of that niche right yeah exactly so the meme of the week for 2023 this is so lame is the chinese spy balloon oh, okay that was a meme yeah it was People a meme. about that that's the thing like all the all the ones that i recognize were just like world news, news. it'd be like rihanna's super bowl show mm -hmm. and it's like this wasn't funny though and that's kind yeah. of why i chose this one as well because it's not funny. None of the ones I read about it were even remotely funny. <laughs> but it feels like there is an obligation to crack jokes about things. Mm -hmm. And people will say, oh, we're just, you know, that's our trauma. We have to make jokes about it. But it's like, but they're not even funny. Like, mm -hmm. it's just this kind of this kind of song and dance that people go through every time there's any kind of event. Mm -hmm. people like, like one of the memes I wrote down, someone tweeted that, that got a lot of traction. Hey, did anyone lose a big white balloon? it's just like it's not funny none of them are, none of them are funny yeah but i think that even that is kind of representative yeah there's probably a split i've heard my sisters talk about the gen z sense of humor and that it's very random like it's kind sure. of cheese what is it beast trigger beast trigger but like on steroids just like really really yeah. random and rapid and it's like you see it once and you don't remember it, but it makes you laugh in the moment. Mm -hmm. Is apparently what's trendy. But yeah, the compulsion to meme things. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty serious. I feel like if there was ever a photo, like probably every single photo that comes out of Joe Biden is made into a meme. Yeah. And just hoping something sticks sort of thing. And I did a little bit of reading about meme agents, people who manage meme people. Of course. So like manage their careers, but also people who are basically meme librarians who just like churn them out and categorize them and try and make money off of them. Yeah. Meme farms, I guess is what they meme are. Meme farms. Um, and I feel like that's not a great thing. The internet it won't exist in the solar scene. It's just a case that it feels like anything televised and broadcast, people are just searching for any tiny expression or like any tiny thing that looks a touch genuine or maybe unplanned. And they blow it out of proportion. It's like, but it's never even that funny. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember even from the Oscars this year, the Oscars this year, that, during one of the opening monologues, it cut to Andrew Garfield in the crowd and he kind of made a face at the camera. And people were always like, oh, this is going to be a meme. This is so funny. It's like, it's not that, it's just like a, it's just a <laughs> face. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's looking so desperate for those kind of reaction images. Mm -hmm. And maybe a touch of it is like celebrities, they're just like us. And mm -hmm. people, are, they like seeing celebrities make faces. I think might be a big part of it as well. Yeah. But yeah, that that really deliberate memeiness as well. I think people don't realize how often these things aren't organic and like mm -hmm. they are intended to be memes. Like I think about like that Ellen picture at the Oscars, right? When she took the selfie, like that was very obviously like mm -hmm. we're going to try and make this go viral and people cringe at that now. Mm -hmm. But it's like you don't realize that a lot of your 
seemingly unscripted or random moments are themselves intended to be memes. Yeah, exactly. Like something else I saw on the list of biggest 2023 memes is like all the memes about Barbie and Oppenheimer, the movies coming out on the same day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is just a marketing bush. Yeah. This is entirely It's like, completely manufactured. Yeah. Same with all of the uh, Wes Anderson trends on TikTok and stuff. It's like someone in the Wes Anderson marketing office was just like, huh, this is a good idea. Exactly. Or even if it wasn't necessarily him, it's like the reason it got big is because these companies got yeah, behind they, it. Yeah, they helped. amplify it. Yeah. <laughs> so identifying with brands. Are you a brand loyal man to any brands in particular i probably am i just don't realize it <laughs> you got the nike swoosh that's true <laughs> that's true i remember yeah that was kind of corny like a few years ago i was like i'll drop the other kind of athletic branded clothes i have slowly mm-hmm. and only buy one brand but it wasn't out of anything other than i think it looks bad when they're paired together yeah so I don't know if that's loyalty or just like an aesthetic thing. Yeah. Because it really could have been anything. So you could have just chosen one or the other. I do really like the Oxford World Classics, the books. I prefer Ooh. those to the Penguin ones. So maybe that's my maybe that, maybe that's like the the connoisseur's choice of like Mac versus PC. It's Oxford World Classics versus Penguin yeah. Classics. Admittedly, I'm a bit more of a Penguin. So maybe you someday like we're going to have to have two different libraries in our house. <laughs> two different bookshelves. And I'll have all the Penguin ones and you have all the Oxford Why ones. Why do you like the Penguin ones? The black covers? I like the black covers. Yeah. I especially like those like yeah, little pocket editions. They're just yeah. cute. Okay. But I also like the Penguin. Maybe I will have like framed Penguin <laughs> someday. This is just me. A pet Penguin. <laughs> do you have any brands to which you're loyal? Um, Coke versus Pepsi. No. I feel like this is a generation above us thing. Like, I feel like yeah. our parents are always, like, my parents are big, like, you can't drink Pepsi in this house. <laughs> and they're the same, like, that's what I was saying about them posting memes about, like, Android versus iOS people. I feel like mm-hmm. our parents' generation is big into that. Yeah, I, I'm brand loyal to a few things. Sewing machines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really like brothers' sewing machines, cameras, right. Canon stuff. Yeah, Canon. Why, though? <laughs> I think a lot I think of it, it just, just depends what your first one is. It's compatibility, right? It's the same yeah. with the ecosystem. It's like, well, I have with cameras, so I have to buy the lenses. So I have to, you know, like... Yeah, exactly. Um, there's also, like, car people. Yeah. Oh, you can't drive that Chevrolet over here. Get that Toyota out of my yard. <laughs> this is Ford country. <laughs> but, yeah, it does feel like a, a generation above us thing. I think... Yeah, I watched this Hank Green video... I was not seeking it out. It just was like (laughs) recommended to me. And I was like, oh, this is on topic. So I watched it about brand loyalty and like how we identify with it. And he said, there's a few different reasons. And one of them is compatibility. It's just like you get an iPhone, then why would you get a computer that's not going to work with it? So like that's one thing. It's just kind of like ease of use. And Apple does it very obviously deliberately. Yeah. to, To encourage you to buy those things. Yeah, for sure. And then another part is the marketing of like Apple always... Branding itself as the sexy, like, artist, Mm -hmm. starving artist kind of thing. And then the PCs usually brand themselves as, like, gamer, coding, like, these more intense, like, professional things. Although I do think there's another element, which is, like, there's actually something to it sometimes. Yeah. Like, with the cars. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about cars. But I'm sure people are listening who like cars, and they'll be like, it's not arbitrary, though. They'll say Toyotas actually are this or, you know, Fords actually are. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there is something like with the Max versus PCs. I guess that's something that I'm kind of brandy about. I really I think my life basically changed once I got a Mac just because of how much I hate 
having to use technology. Mm-hmm. Like I hate having to close pop-ups. I hate having to navigate menus and stuff. And so when it comes to that kind of thing, and I suppose it filters down to the iOS Android, it's like some people like really easy things, technology, and some people like maybe more customizable or more powerful things. Yeah. So I guess there's something to that. For sure. There was also a study done. It was a Pepsi versus Coke study just because it's like kind of the easiest thing because we've been so exposed to all the marketing Mm -hmm. and they literally would drink them in an MRI machine so like scanning the brain of like what parts of the brain pop up when they drink it really yeah and if they were both unmarked it was both in the frontal cortex so like where we process new information Mm -hmm. and then they would like make a genuine decision of like which one they liked but if one of them was labeled, and there, so it's two cups, and both of them contain Coke, but one of them was labeled Coke, um, a different part of the brain lights up when they drink the labeled one, mm. and that's the one that's like for memories and emotions and feeling lights up, and they're like almost always from looking at the brain scan, they could then predict which one they would say they like better. Mm. So like if the memory part of the brain lights up, then that means they were going to like the one that's labeled. Because then you associate it with comfort, with all of those fuzzy advertisements that you've seen. Yeah. So, like, they do actually have an impact on the brain, like, when you've consumed a lot of ads. And also that contributes to your childhood. And, like, perhaps you grew up in a house where you only listened to country music. So, therefore, mm-hmm. you're going to be loyal to, like, the country musicians, even if perhaps technically you don't like that type of music. Yeah. It's just like a comfort thing, so it's easier. And like it's just a less um there's fewer obstacles in your brain to like process the information. So when that's the case, your brain and you tend to like things mm-hmm. a lot more. And I think that really has to do with brand loyalty. It's interesting also because I think I mean I don't drink pop, but I've tasted them both. And I think that if I were blind, I would be able to decide which is which. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of people who can do that. Like mm-hmm. But if it were not blind, like, and if they were just mislabeled or something, I don't know that I'd have a strong enough conviction to be able to say, no, that one's labeled Coke, but it's actually Pepsi. I know mm-hmm. that Pepsi's sweeter, that's all I know. Do you have yeah. a preference? I like Coke more. Slightly more, though. I like it slightly more, too, but I feel like it's sweeter to me. Really? Pepsi's more savory, oh. but that's just... I've drank very little pop in my life, I think. I guess, like, Nintendo, would that be... Would yeah. that class as a brand loyalty? think so but it's interesting because that brand loyalty thing like with nike versus adidas versus puma or whatever it has a connotation of there's no difference other than the shape of the symbol Mm -hmm. but with media there is obviously a big difference yeah so that's not that's more just a just a preference i guess Mm -hmm. or like i I guess the opposite of this is boycotting brands or brands that you don't like Mm -hmm. like i would probably say i'm a little bit anti-disney yeah but it's for it's for reasons you know what i mean like it's not an arbitrary thing yeah that's true it's not just like some people who boycott disney because they like hear something bad about it it's like you've learned about it yeah kind of understand it i think this is something else i wanted to talk about in this category of like because we don't have any identity like we're always searching for it yeah so we cling on to i'm a nintendo boy i'm an apple boy whatever it might be and i think in the solo scene this will hopefully be eradicated to the greatest extent possible. Yeah. I think I was thinking about it a lot of like, will there be brands and brands are like kind of new. They're like two to 300 years old, like really like everything being branded. And like, obviously K 
kings would brand their their livestock or like would brand things coins with their yeah. face on it so literally it's like, brand them yeah literally that's like where it comes from but branding as we know it in the sense of like creating a cute logo and like using that to like manipulate people i feel like we can kind of do away with that and just like write your name on the clothes you make be like yeah i made this if someone wants to return it to me <coughs> amended or whatever like i still think it's gonna happen in the solo scene because i've considered well the solo scene itself is is branding it's a brand exactly yeah. so i think it'll still exist but just will be less cynical and less like manipulative For it'll sure. just be like uh, serve a more practical purpose and it's funny also because i do feel like we've reached something of a saturation point where people mm-hmm. are deliberately anti-brand now well yeah all, that's a really big trend all the brands that they like either are um authentically from kind of pre-brand era you think about something like john deere you know, people are like, that's just the name. Yeah. That was just the name of a guy. And I don't know the logo, but maybe it's like in cursive or something like that. Like mm-hmm. those types of brands. People like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so you see actual fake brands masquerading as that. Like what happens with the food things? Mm-hmm. You know, when it's like Schneider's ham. <laughs> and it's like, I feel like this is fake. I feel like there was no Schneider. Yeah, you do feel that way. Um, so, but yeah, you're right about identity. We see these things as mirrors we see ourselves in them or we try and make ourselves in them should i say mm-hmm. it's the same as a buzzfeed quiz which avenger am i or horoscopes or whatever like we try and make something of ourselves and i also think along those lines it's a subtle thing but it is there however kind of sad and small a thing there is a kind of inbuilt community often mm-hmm. like an example is the the ios android split when people joke about oh the green texts versus the iMessage yeah exactly. you know, there's, there's a it's not a real community but there is a kind of in-group mm-hmm. there. yeah like it's super attractive for all these different reasons like I feel like when Patagonia was just making its resurgence if you saw another p- person with a fleece it would be a bit of a fist bump yeah, like exactly. nice fleece yeah and same with like any brand that's up and coming I feel like the f- the early adopters have that kind of physical like you can see people on the street wearing a community mm. And obviously, we'll talk more about this in the fashion semester, but I think the clothing, yeah, the clothing thing is just a whole another episode. Final question of today is just talking about various industries that have changed due to the internet. And what I added was whether or not it's so seen approved. Okay. So I had five different examples. I tried to pick really different ones and also really random ones. So the first one is real estate. And the way that the internet has changed these is obviously real-time updates to listings, social media marketing, mm-hmm. which can often also cut out the middle man to an extent. I'm thinking about like rentals, mm-hmm. apartments. Sometimes people can just list those themselves. Don't always have to go through a, an intermediary or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the the mobileness of it. So there's a stat, it was something like 58% of millennial homeowners found their home on a smartphone. Whoa. Yeah. That feels unnatural. I know. Hey, look at this. Yeah. This is a tiny picture of a house. Yeah, there's a storefront, I guess, like near where we live that has like literal printouts of the houses that are for sale in the windows. Right. And I always see older people stop and look at them. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, this is just so sweet. Like imagine like they're window shopping for houses. And I mean, looking on your phone is just as funny. Yeah, but the thing with the internet, I feel like it makes you less likely to get ripped off. It's true. That's, like there's more transparency and you can be like, yeah. well, what's a house of a similar size? Exactly. And yeah, I think it's a bit democratizing. It's not the worst thing. Looking for apartments is really 
a burden. Yeah. It's like so, one of my least favorite things so, to do. So not in the sewer scene, or rather pre-internet, would we just have to use newspapers? Yeah. See, Walk around and see if it says um, yeah. for rent or whatever and then I mean, call the number. It's true. I don't like having to use Kijiji, but I think it's probably better for the consumer. So I think in mm. the sewer scene, that's how it will be. Yeah. Um, trades. I just kind of lump these in together. Yeah. Your I plumbing, it... your carpentry, and what they do with the internet, they buy slash sell materials online. Mm-hmm. They are often listed, found, and booked via websites or Facebook pages. Mm-hmm. Like if you needed something, if you needed your roof fixed, the only way I would go about that is looking online. I don't even know how else. You'd ask, I guess, yeah, you know, ask, a roof person. You know a guy. Mm-hmm. That's probably the, the way to get a deal. Yeah, exactly. But I think with the internet, you can, I was thinking about trades quite a bit. It used to be, used to ask, and then you'd have to kind of go with it, or you'd have to just look in the phone book and whoever's there is there yeah but now you can kind of browse around a bit more or you can diy that's what i was thinking as that well, probably that has quite an impact there's all the instructions and the information available online mm-hmm. obviously not for us because we are famously unhandy mm-hmm. but for most people yes you can fix your floor on youtube whereas we just turn off our toilet <laughs> <laughs> turn off the water <laughs> If anyone ever visits our house now, the toilet's just off. Like, you have to turn it on. <laughs> TMI, I think. Uh, maybe, but it's, it's um, a funny anecdote. <laughs> journalism. I think with the internet, there's obviously much more secondhand journalism. Mm-hmm. People just scouring the internet for things to kind of compile or just outright copy. Yeah. Like, I was thinking about how many different articles you think were written about that Titanic submarine. Yeah, thousands. Thousands. And how many of them actually did any, like, asked any questions, Mm -hmm. like, did any actual journalism? Three. Three. And then the rest just all copied off of those Mm -hmm. three. Exactly. So it's like, this is very, very strange. There's also the fact that these things are distributed online. I I couldn't find the number about New York Times online readership versus print, but I'm guessing Mm -hmm. it's bigger online. Yeah. And even the journalism which is done, interviews conducted etc are often via zoom or just email mm-hmm. so that's something yeah i was thinking about this a bit the other day of like a desire that i it's a new desire to acquire some like journalistic skills because i feel like university perhaps used to be a bit more about doing actual research like mm. going out and doing tests going out and asking questions and yeah. stuff but then our whole experience was just find articles about it but it's like that's just reducing the quality of the yeah. original piece well i think that has now gra- moved up to master's work to postgraduate work mm-hmm. whereas it may be used to be part of the undergrad yeah so the undergrad i think has just gone a little bit more babyfied mm-hmm. um, but yeah in the solo scene journalism i think we've talked about this before but not so buzzfeedy Question mark? Even fine. though BuzzFeed News, I think, is actually kind of legitimate. but um... Yeah, it's been legitimized over time. Yeah. Because they find that they aren't resources. But I think, yeah, a bit more authentic journalism. And I don't think the democratization of information via Twitter and stuff is like the worst thing in the world. I was no. talking to my friend yesterday about this and she's she was kind of lamenting how Twitter is dying. And she was like, really like, because she's from Ukraine, so like. She was really like involved in the idea of free information. Mm-hmm. And she was like kind of afraid about the idea of that being shut down. It's like, how will people get their news? Yeah. If you have to rely perhaps on just the one local newspaper, that's corrupt in a different way. 
Yeah, so. the real timeness of it is great. Yeah. I just think it all comes down to the readership ultimately. Mm-hmm. It all comes down to educating people to spot falsehoods, to hold different um, different sources accountable when they do make mistakes rather mm-hmm. than just being kind of slippery and being like, oh, well, moving yep. on to the next story or whatever. Um, and then fitness slash wellness. Yep. I think YouTube videos have probably changed this a lot. I couldn't find any numbers because the thing is, Corona also messed these industries so much that it's hard to find any pre-internet numbers on just pre-COVID and post-COVID with regard mm-hmm. to something like gym memberships. But theoretically, I feel like YouTube videos should make more people into fitness, but also the internet makes people more sedentary. So I think this one is kind of a net zero. But then there's yeah. also the wellness goopness. But I'm not sure if that's internet specific because magazines were also doing crazy diets pre-internet mm-hmm. i feel like also trying to get information on the numbers about these things is challenging because of how much the population has grown in the last like yeah of course 20 to 30 years because i was thinking is like people probably go to the doctor less but obviously doctors are infamously like overwhelmed mm-hmm. it's like well there's more people also like more of an aging population so yeah. like, the doctors will have more people but i feel like perhaps when I would have used to go to the hospital for like a cold or something just for like treatment, I would never do that now because I can find a remedy online or just like True. find the information virtually. It's a lot of conflating factors. Mm-hmm. I also feel like with technology, there's this really artificial push to make it big into fitness. Like when we watched the Metaverse um, keynote and like 20 minutes of it, we're just showing people working out with this on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is so... And, <laughs> and also with the Apple fitness, it'll be like, your virtual spin class and there's mm-hmm. like a trainer there i just feel so kind of it's like this is not necessary or like beneficial even yeah just a little soulstein recommends go to group exercise classes sports yeah. whatever because i've listened to hundreds of hours of maintenance phase <laughs> the podcast which is kind of about grifting and real actual ways to be healthy and they were like this is just one of the very very few things that is proven like actually proven is that when you work out in community you're more likely to stick with it and enjoy it and like reap the mental benefits of the exercise versus doing it in front of your screen is like far less likely to foster those same results Mm -hmm. actually i did have another solo scene recommends that came to mind Mm -hmm. it's the fallout boy cover of we didn't start the fire i think i'm a couple weeks late on this but i saw there was a bit of a controversy or conversation rather about the lyrics that they chose to include or exclude or the order that they did it because that song is basically just listing news or notable things from the last 30 years or so it's a cover of the billy joel one from the 80s i believe Mm -hmm. so it's like what would you include i thought it sounds kind of like an english class at the end where it's like (laughs) think about read and reflect you know what i mean like think about what would your own lyrics be for the last Mm -hmm. 30 years theirs was very america centric yeah is the only thing so i think like like if we did a solo scene one, that would be kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And then the final industry, comedy. Yeah. If that's, I guess that's part of the entertainment industry, but the comedy niche mm-hmm. specifically. I think aspiring comedians, from what I can tell, they have the same ultimate goal as pre-internet, which is fame and touring and doing shows and maybe having a TV special. But now mm-hmm. it's a Netflix special or something. But the journey there is obviously much, much different because mm-hmm. it would start probably not even on YouTube, but on your TikToks, your instagrams yeah they would just post like funny things and then hopefully get some traction and then move to youtube and then yeah 
perhaps be on Ellen or whatever. I feel that it's probably more saturated and probably harder to stand out now. Maybe just because everybody's a comedian. Like with that hilarious Chinese spy balloon meme that I read out earlier. Hey, yeah. did anybody lose a big white balloon? Yeah. It's just like everybody is kind of trying to be funny on Twitter now. Yeah, and I think the issue with all of these industries, like functioning on the internet is stealing content. Oh, yeah. So it's like you asked if I knew that guy who's the most popular on TikTok, and I don't know if I do know him, mm. but I've seen that format hundreds of times. Right. So it's just very hard. People don't necessarily associate the creator with the Yeah. At the same the time, content. it might be easier for said theft to be noticed mm. to be because so, things are dated yeah whereas like imagine if someone steals a joke before the internet yeah like how would how would they be held accountable or how would people get the word out because mm. even if even if one person figured it out yeah how would they tell people exactly. so maybe it's just become different mm. but i was also wondering if that has been a kind of internetification of jokes mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of comedians read things out or deliver things as if they were tweets yeah, in an I interesting think so. way. I think there's also a bit more of a, hey, we all, I do that too, like that meme of like, I feel like there's a little bit of that before with comedy of like kind of the Jerry Seinfeld vibe of like, oh, we all have this in common. We've all seen airport food or we've all. Yeah, well, I think it's all airport food now. Like yeah, every, it's every, all airport food. Every viral TikTok is just airport food now. Yeah. It's like, hey, does anyone know what this weird thing on the on the back of the milk cartons for? Mm-hmm. Airplane food. Even we got the joke wrong. Airplane food. <laughs> okay my final to wrap things up i have one more solo scene recommends and then we'll leave you until next week which is going to be the final episode of the internet semester we're pretty sure so tune in for that maybe um my solo scene recommends is the podcast how to talk to people specifically the community design episode because aaron didn't listen to that episode he listened to another one the thing with me and podcasts i'll give them one chance yeah. i'm not going to listen to one 50 minute episode and then say but maybe the next one's good <laughs> So that's why, that's why with Solar Scene, we have to make them all good. Yes. Because if someone listens to this and they're like, oh, these guys are chumps, then they're never going to listen to the next week's. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah. Cool. Thanks for listening.